Has a period of dry, spiritual emptiness left you with a greater desire for the fire of God? Did you know that God wants to move us out of the captivity of our complacency? And that is why we need a new Pentecost in our lives. Jesus said, can the children of the bride chamber fast as long as the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and in those days they shall fast. Beloved, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I want to speak to you for a moment about the fast of the bridegroom and the coming of the Holy Spirit. You know, of course, in a literal sense of scripture, Jesus is speaking about his return and the longing in the body of Christ for the presence of Jesus and for Jesus to return. But also in a supernatural, personal, prophetic sense of scripture, the bridegroom being taken away are those moments when we are missing that intimacy with the Lord that we once had, that intimacy, that power, that visitation that he wants to bring back into our lives and that the fast that pleases him so greatly is the fast of longing, of desiring, of seeking, and of calling out and even moaning for the presence of God to visit us afresh. Today, as we prepare for the power of a new Pentecost in your life, I invite you to just get ready. And before we go to today's teaching, I want to invite you to mydayofdestiny.com. Beloved, My Day of Destiny is our website where you can download previous podcasts and also my book, Secrets of the Anointing. Now, beloved, and I invite you to get ready to get blessed. Call your friends for today's Day of Destiny, the power of a new Pentecost in our lives. One of the scriptural secrets in the Word of God that we find that prepare the way for Pentecost is the days that Jesus said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Wait for the promise of the Father that you have heard of me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, beloved, we often ask the question, why didn't the Holy Spirit just come the day that Jesus ascended into heaven? Why did they have to wait till the 50th day? He ascended into heaven on the 40th day after the resurrection. But why, according to Acts 1-3, but why did they have to wait till the 50th day? Well, of course, because it is the the Hebrew feast of Pentecost, Shavuot, the ending of the seven weeks. But also, beloved, there is a supernatural secret hidden in the waiting. We must 
understand that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he wants to be welcomed. He wants us to long for him. He wants us to desire him. He will not just show up with a powerful revival in our lives without the precipitation of prayer, longing prayer, longing for his presence, longing for more of him. And you see, when Jesus spoke about the fast of the bridegroom, the bridegroom being taken away, this doesn't necessarily only mean Jesus has gone away from us. And of course, in a literal sense of scripture, Jesus was preparing his Talmudim, his disciples, for his departure back to heaven. And of course, he was speaking about the sorrow they would feel within their hearts, but that their joy would be full again because the Holy Spirit would be coming. But also in a personal, powerful, prophetic sense, that word bridegroom, that title bridegroom, that name that Jesus calls himself, the bridegroom, is a prophetic parallel of an intimate relationship between the bride and the bridegroom. It speaks of covenant and it speaks of love. It speaks of covenant based on love. And it also speaks on oneness of spirit. It speaks on oneness of vision, oneness of heart. And you see, Jesus wants his church to so long for him. He wants us after this long pandemic to long for the presence of God again. He wants us to cry out and long for him. So today, beloved saints, remember... Uh, I'm going to teach you today on some of the supernatural secrets of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we find in the gospel according to John. But I want us to see when Jesus was speaking about the bridegroom fast, the context in which he was delivering it. Notice what he says. He brings the parable of the new wineskin in the context of the bridegroom fast. And this is what he says. No man sews a piece of new cloth on an old garment, uh, else the new piece that is filled up takes away from the old and the rent is made worse. And no man puts new wine into old wine bottles, else the new wine bursts the bottles and the wine is spilled and the bottles are marred, but new wine must be put into new wine bottles. What does new wine in new wine bottles have to do with the bridegroom fast? It has everything to do with the bridegroom fast because you see that new wine is a new anointing. It's a new fresh move of God. It's a new fresh power of God that God wants to bring into our lives, but it cannot come without a seeking. It cannot come without us desiring. It cannot come without us longing. So Jesus wants to place us in a position of longing. He places us in a position of feeling empty. He places us in a position of just emptiness and longing and desiring so that he might move us into a place, into a position that we are going to cry out to God and say to the Lord, Lord God, how long. Lord, I can't live without you. Lord, I need a move of God. Lord, I want to see the heavens open. I want to see what you have promised me in my life, and I cannot live without the anointing. Now, 
beloved saints, I want to take you to John's gospel. And in John's gospel, I want to share with you some of the personal, powerful, prophetic principles that Jesus taught his disciples concerning the Holy Spirit. And I want to say today by the power of God and by the word of the Lord, that there are many of you that feel like you've been emptied out. Some of you feel like you lost the anointing, but here's what the Lord is saying. He is making a whole new vessel out of you and he is making you this time more pliable, more yielded. There is someone listening to this, uh, to this podcast today. You have been under major condemnation. You don't feel spiritual like you used to. And I want you to know, first of all, God is telling you that your spirituality is not based on your feelings, but there is someone here that's been under a burden of self-condemnation. But I want to give you a word from the Lord. The Lord is saying that he's remaking your vessel and he's saying he's remaking you because he's preparing you for the new wine that's going to go into the new wine. Skin. And just as the new wine comes into a pliable, yielded vessel, God is saying everything you have recently been through is going to be used for the glory of God. Even that place of emptiness is going to cause you to treasure God's presence more than you've ever treasured him before. And here is a word from the Lord. When I found my beloved, I embraced him and would not let him go. God is telling me he is giving giving some of you today that are listening and anointing like the Shunammite. You see the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, that every time Elisha would pass by her, she constrained him to turn in. This means, this word constrained in the Hebrew language is a word that means violently just pulled him in. And I want you to know that Elijah is the type of, Elisha is the type of Holy Spirit. He represents the presence of God in the prophetic voice. I want many of you to know right now that God is saying he is making you a new vessel. And this time he is going to cause you to constrain the presence of God. He's going to teach you how to grab a hold of the presence and to constrain the presence. And here's what the Lord is saying. He is pouring new wine into new wineskins. The Lord is saying the wine that is in you is new and it is fresh. And the Lord is saying to you, it is fermented. This means it's expanding. God is saying it's expanding, it's moving, it's changing. God is saying that the sugars in the wine have become like yeast and they are being spread out. And God is saying, God is saying to you today that he is extending the place of your tent. He is extending your borders to a new place in God, not just your ministry, not just physically, but God is saying your vessel, which is also like a tabernacle, which is a tent in biblical times, that you are being expanded in God, that you are containing more of God than you ever contained before. Because this last trial you went through, you went through a death to, a death to self experience. And now the new wine is coming in and the new wine is expanding you. Praise God. Now, beloved saints, let us look at John's gospel. 
And let us see from John's gospel, a word that the Lord wants to give to us. It's a teaching, but it's also a word so that we might grow in the grace of God and that the word through the word, the spirit of God might fall upon us just as through the word, the spirit of God fell in the book of Acts, the 10th chapter and the 44th verse when they heard the word. Let's look at the word of God. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 25, Jesus is saying this at the last supper, preparing to be taken away from his disciples, saying, these words have I spoken unto you, yet being present with you. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Now, beloved, these are two miraculous ministries of the Holy Spirit that we see that Jesus said that the Spirit of God will do to us when we have a relationship with him as a person. Notice that Jesus is bringing out the personal pronouns of the Holy Spirit again because the personal pronouns are an essential element to our relationship with the Spirit of God because he is not just an it, he is not just a power, but he is a person. And that means as a person, we need to learn, beloved saints, how to submit and surrender to his voice, to his leading, to his prompting. And this is why Jesus said, but the Holy Ghost, the, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost who the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. First of all, I want to speak to you about how the Holy Spirit brings all things to our remembrance that Jesus has said to us. First of all, we know on a literal sense of scripture and in a basic biblical interpretation in Hebrew, as we would say the shot on the verse, it is literally the literal interpretation means that the Holy Spirit is going to take the scriptures and take any words that Jesus has said, or take anything that he has said to you in prayer, or anything that he has said to you through the hearing of sermons, of ministry, and he's going to bring it to your remembrance. That's the literal meaning. But on a personal, powerful, prophetic meaning, this goes much deeper. You see, the Holy Spirit is not just uh, like a computer that we push the button and he just refreshes. The Holy Spirit, when he brings to our remembrance, it's not quite like when you are taking a test and you forgot the questions or you forgot the answers and you studied and you couldn't remember. And then all of a sudden you just spam, remember it. And that is like the Holy Spirit bringing it to your remembrance. Not quite. I want you to understand what he does when he brings to our remembrance, what Jesus has said or what Jesus has done in our lives. We get this perfect interpretation of what the Holy Spirit does when he brings to our remembrance from Paul and also from Peter. I want you to look 
first of all, at 2 Timothy, one of the most incredible documents in the New Testament. Every believer should read 2 Timothy. We should treasure it. We should consider it so precious to our souls. Why? Because that great man of God, that great man of God, Paul the Apostle, paid a great price for that epistle to be written. Though it is not traditionally characterized and categorized in the prison epistles, we know that Paul wrote this from the Martime prison. This was the prison he was arrested and taken into before his execution in Rome, before he was beheaded. And we see from this prison, and as was the trend for many believers when Nero blamed the burning of Rome on the Christians, that some Christians became ashamed to be categorized as a Christian because the crime they were accused of committing was so despicable. There's one thing to go into the arena and refuse to sacrifice to Caesar and to die for the name of Jesus. That in itself is very noble. That is something that is heroic, but to be blamed for the burning of a city, to be blamed for the deaths of human beings, to be blamed to have such despicable behavior that you would burn the city of Rome. That's what Nero did. He himself burnt the city of Rome, but he blamed the Christians. Therefore, some believers were falling into the temptation of not wanting to be identified with the ringleaders of whom Nero said caused the burning of Rome to take place in the first place. And those ringleaders were the apostles themselves. This is why Paul was rounded up and brought to the Martime prison and chained to the wall and his feet also being chained in a place that was like a filthy cistern with the stench that was unbearable. No, beloved, they did not get three meals a day. No, beloved, they had to, prisoners had to wait to see who would come on their behalf to bring food so they would have bread to eat and by faith, water to drink. And the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, I want us to see what Timothy is going, Paul is going to speak to Timothy concerning, beloved, remembrance. This is what he is saying. Notice remembrance begins to be the preface of the theme of 2 Timothy. He says, without ceasing, in verse 3, I re make remembrance of thee in my prayers. Then we see again in verse 5, a repetition so that we don't miss the word remembrance. We see here in verse 5, when I call to remembrance your unfeigned faith. But now we are going to see in verse 6, 
a work of the Holy Spirit through remembrance that when he brings something to our remembrance, I want you to understand what he does. He is not just like a computer that refreshes us. He is not just going to give us cognitive recall. I want you to see that there is actually an action, a work and a power and an operation of the spirit in action when he brings to our remembrance. Watch the word of God. The Bible says, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God that is in thee through the putting on of my hands. What does Paul mean? Paul is telling Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in thee. It's already been given to you. It's already been deposited into you. The day I laid hands on you, stir up the gift of God by remembrance. You see, beloved, when Paul says, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, that somehow he is saying, that remembering the day that Paul put his hands upon Timothy and ordained him for the ministry, that somehow that remembrance would stir up the gift of God. Why? Not because he has a good imagination, not because he has recall very easily in his mind and it's photographic, but because the moment he started remembering what Jesus did, the moment he starts remembering that Jesus called him, the Holy Spirit of God brings back the fire, the very fire that he felt at that moment. That's why Paul says, stir up the gift of God by remembrance, because that word to stir up in Greek means to enkindle or rekindle. You see, I can't make a kindling in myself, but I can go back to the times Jesus spoke to me. I can go back to those moments of visitation when the Holy Spirit came. Perhaps a great revival, perhaps the days of the renewal, perhaps the days of a great conference. And no, we are not old wine bottles. No, we do not dwell in the past. We're not dwelling on some ritual. This itself is a move of the spirit and action of the spirit that when we begin to recall what he said to us, what he did for us, the Holy Spirit's action begins and he begins to stir up the exact feeling that we had at that occasion. And he brings it back again. Why? Because that experience is alive in you. We just allowed it to become dormant. And you see, we are responsible. We are responsible for every gift that the Holy Spirit entrusts to us, that we will keep it, that we do not allow the things that we have heard to slip that we hold on and we hold fast to the things that we have been given. Let me give you further evidence of this. Why is Paul telling Timothy this? Paul is telling Timothy this because Timothy needs to be stirred up.
Why? Because the Bible says that Paul is writing to him from his prison and he is saying, be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or nor of me as prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the dunamis, according to the power of God. So Timothy, if there's any lack in that dunamis, I am not there to lay hands on you. So what you need to do is recall the day, recall the words the Lord spoke to you, recall the prophecy. Notice that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, let me share with you, when we recall prophecies, when we recall what the Spirit of God is doing or what what he has done in our life. We're not to take it lightly. We don't throw prophecies under uh, uh, in, inside a desk and forget about it. No, we have to ask the Holy Spirit, beloved saints, to quicken it to us, to bring it to our remembrance, to store it inside of our spirit, and oftentimes bring it to our remembrance so that the Holy Spirit will kindle the flames of fire so that we live in the, uh, in the spirit, in the movement of the spirit, and we don't become an old wine bottle. You see, the Bible says, this charge I give unto thee. Now we're moving back to 1 Timothy, lest we become confused. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went on before thee, that by them you might war a good warfare. Paul is telling Timothy the prophecies that were given to you. When were they given to him? They were given to him on the day that Paul separated him unto the Lord, laid his hands on him, and that spoke to him. And this is why Paul is telling Timothy that you stir up the gift of God by way of remembrance. Let's see this further and see that Peter also, Peter the apostle also is exhorting the church that we be stirred up by way of remembrance. He says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, I think it necessary that as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. You see, stirring up doesn't just mean to get you emotionally charged. The Holy Spirit does not charge our emotions. The Holy Spirit ignites our spirit, our inward man. You see, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and the God of all peace sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 9, I worship God whom I serve, last line says, with my spirit. I want you to understand that Paul also said in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, he said, the spirit himself 
or itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. So we must understand that the place that the Holy Spirit speaks is our spirit. That is the inward man. That's why the Bible says, according to the power that works in you, that you be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power in the inner man. So that inner man is your spirit. And this is where the Holy Ghost will stir you up by way of remembrance. Why? Because the Almighty and the Holy Spirit and the things that have been done unto us in the Spirit are not on the time clock of this world. We must understand they are on the time clock of God. And where the Almighty is, is a place that there is no past, present, or future. Yes, for the world, we do need, because we live in this time, that past, that present, and that future. But in the spirit, God can do something so supernatural with us. That means by way of remembrance, a gift of the Holy Spirit, not by some charging in our emotions or by just trying to think about it. No, but when he brings it to our remembrance, he brings the power back. He brings the anointing back. He brings the words of Jesus back. He brings the presence of Jesus back. This is why Jesus said he will take of mine and he will show it unto you and he shall show you things to come. Beloved, I want you to know this is the walk that the Holy Spirit has called us to. Notice again, we not only have stirring up by way of remembrance spoken to Timothy by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 and also by the apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 but we also see it again in 2 Peter chapter 3 looking at verse 1 he says the second epistle beloved I write now to you in both in which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So I want you to understand once we start remembering, oh Jesus, I want to remember that prophecy. Oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, take me back to that night that I was so consecrated to you. Oh, Holy Spirit, bring me back to that place that I was so committed. I want to experience that experience again, the Holy Spirit will take those very emotions. He will take that very power. He will take that very anointing that Jesus gave to you and reignite you again because the word to stir up means to enkindle. He will enkindle you. He will refire you. He will empower you again. And you shall be walking in that newness of that prophecy. It will not die. It will come to pass as you cause the Holy Spirit to cause it to be quickened to you by asking him to bring it to your remembrance. And Jesus also said, he shall teach you all things and he shall bring to your remembrance whatsoever things I have said to you teaching us all things 
also means not only just teaching us doctrine, but also expounding upon what Jesus has told us. And also all day long, walking in that assurance of the witness of what decision we are to make even from day to day, hour to hour, to speak to the Holy Spirit, to be led by him in our everyday life, that he might say to you, this is the way, walk ye in it. Amen and amen. Today, I feel as we are preparing for the power of Pentecost, that God is igniting someone who has been reading a book on the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is going to ignite you with revelation and the word itself. He is going to quicken to you how he's going to use you in this hour. I I hear the Lord also saying, that there is a healing coming in someone's marriage and you just walk in love and walk in humility and do not hold the record of wrongs. And God is telling me that he is going to be healing marriages today on this podcast. There are also others today that are listening to this podcast that have been empty and you say, God, I just don't know what you want me to do. I've lost my direction, but God is telling me to tell you this Pentecost as you continue to seek God and continue to seek the deeper things of God, that God is going to lead you right into his path and he's going to open doors of destiny for you. And today, beloved sons and daughters, we want to invite you not to miss uh, other podcasts that are also focused on the power of the Spirit and the walk of the Spirit. Don't miss it by going to our website, mydayofdestiny.com. There you can access our former teachings. You can access former podcasts. You can sign up for emails. And also, beloved, you can order my book from Destiny Image Publishers. And that book is Secrets of the Anointing. You might have seen it on Sid Ross' program. I invite you, just go to the My Day of Destiny website where you can order it. And I believe it will be a blessing for you. Beloved Saints, we love you and we invite you to join us every time you get an opportunity on our podcast, Day of Destiny, and also for our website. God bless you and we will see you real soon.